Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly pop culture discussion of film and television. My name is Jeffrey Zhang. I'm Amir Toure. And I'm Derek Wong. On this week's episode, we are going to do a deep dive on Sam Mendes's new film, 1917. But before we do that, I want to get into a little bit the big, huge news that dropped the same day as we're recording. So it was uh, reported uh, sometime, I think, early early morning or early afternoon uh, that Kobe Bryant and his daughter and seven other passengers of his helicopter passed away. A uh, helicopter crashed in uh, Calabasas, California, um, and there are no survivors. I-, I wanted to talk a little bit about this because, you know, Kobe himself, you know, I was telling the other guys, is yes, he's a sports icon. Um, and, you know, we are a film and, and television podcast, but I think Kobe is is a person that transcends uh, beyond, I think, just sports. He, he has become just a cultural icon in, in general. And you, you guys can look up his, his accolades, you know, online, all of his basketball accolades. But I mean, if we want to bring it back to what relates to us, I mean, very recently, I believe it was in 2018, he won a Academy Award, right, for his short film? Yeah. Oscar winner Kobe Bryant. <laughs> I think very few... Uh, basketball players or even NBA champions could say that uh, they are also an Oscar winner, right? And I think that really speaks to the kind of person he was and the brand he was trying to create for himself after he's retired, right? I mean, he talked a lot about wanting to be someone who was a storyteller. Um, I know he had his doc series. Um, He was creating, I believe, children's books. Uh, I mean, I was hoping that he would go more into movies. I grew up in LA, I was a huge Lakers fan, a huge basketball fan, and that's all because of Kobe Bryant. Um, I grew up in that era of of Kobe and Shaq. You know, I was there for those 2000 championships. I was there for the ones with Powell. Um, you know, I watched the night he scored 81. I watched the night he scored 60, you know, in his last game. I, I watched the night where he, like, tore his Achilles and he still hit those two free throws. Yeah, it's insane to even like take it in right um yeah i've never been a huge basketball fan i'm more of like a casual fan but like even i can recognize like the enormity of the events of today right and i know amir you went to the movies to to watch 1917 to talk about it on this episode when you came out of the theater you heard the news that kobe bryant was dead it's insane like how do you yeah even process something like that, right? Yeah, it's super shocking. Not at all what you'd expect. Such a young guy, such a legend, and and you don't you don't think about legends, you know, passing away the same way the rest of us do, and just mundane accidents like that. Yeah, and it's yeah. sad that it, I mean, it's tragic, it's, tragic. His daughter was on the helicopter too. Like it's just like that's really yeah. hard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, I was talking to my mother about the accident and, you know, I was saying, well, you know, I hope his kids are okay. And she was saying, I think one of them was on the helicopter and that was just, I mean, crushing to hear that. Yeah. And like, if you want to talk about it, I think, um, I was actually really annoyed being on like social media and stuff because there's all this spread of, misinformation like oh all his kids were on the helicopter and then like everyone just spreading rumors and gossip and unsubstantiated yeah, no, it's, yeah. shit it's it's insane 
everyone just needs to relax. And then there's also people like relitigating his rape case. I mean, sure. Does he have like a complicated legacy? Maybe. But I don't think this is like the time or place to, yeah, be. to bring that up. Yeah, at yeah. all. I don't think. I mean, sure. It's a fair thing to bring up, but I don't think now is the right time to be yeah. um, talking about that, right? Yeah. I mean, speaking of social media, do you guys see the statement that the Academy posted on their Twitter? No, I didn't. No, so no. I'll, I'll read it real quick. I'll read it real quick. So they doubted a kid could make it in the NBA and he proved them wrong. They doubted he could win a championship and he proved them wrong. He doubted he could make movies and he won an Oscar. Like all great artists, Kobe Bryant proved the doubters wrong. Rest in peace. The man transcended sports, man. It's just like, it's been a hard day for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He meant so much to so many people and it's very annoying to see the like, um, the contrarian takes the, like, oh, he was just a basketball player. Though I just have no respect for that. Yeah. But okay, well, you know, move on uh, from this very sad news and let's get into our main segment. So today uh, we are going to talk about Sam Mendes' new film, 1917, which is uh, up for uh, a number of Oscars, one of which is uh, Best Picture and also he's up for Best Director. Um, and of course, Roger Deakins is up for Best Cinematography. It's up for a total of uh, 10 different Oscars. I'm not going to name them all. Um, but Jeff, did you want to break down a little bit um, some of the, the people, uh, I guess, involved in the movie? Yeah, yeah, sure. So the two main actors in this film are uh, Dean Charles Chapman and George McKay. They play the two leads. Are we going full spoilers or do we want to talk about some of the cameos a little bit later when we actually? Well, we'll talk about, about those cameos and stuff a little bit later, I think. Okay. So, yeah, those are just the two, I guess, big stars, the ones that you see all over the trailers, right? Yeah, those are the two big stars. And Dean Charles Chapman, he's, I think, best known as uh, Tommen on Game of Thrones, HBO's Game yes. of Thrones. Also, Blinded by the Light, the Netflix movie, The King, and Into the Badlands. I believe that's the AMC uh, martial arts TV series. I haven't seen Blinded by the Light or The King. I haven't seen The the King, but I have seen Blinded by the Light. I really enjoyed that movie. Even though okay. I'm, I'm not like a Bruce Springsteen fan, but I really enjoyed... Yeah, what, what they do with the music in that movie is really, really clever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen either of them, but yeah, maybe I have to, ch- to check them out. It actually took me a while to realize he was Tommen from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, he looks very different in this. He's, yeah. he's definitely grown up a lot, I think. Yeah. I didn't realize it. I read the casting, realized it was him, forgot completely watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, George McKay, I guess his best work, and he's known for is probably Captain Fantastic. I haven't seen that. That's the Hugo Weave. No, that's the Viggo Mortensen. Viggo Mortensen movie. Yes, thank you. Sorry getting the, yeah. those two lord of the rings actors mixed up <laughs> <laughs> have, have you either you seen that movie i haven't i haven't seen it i've heard good things about it but i haven't seen it actually yeah so if you want to go into a little bit what the film is about so it's the eighth feature-length film from english director sam mendez uh it's a film that takes place during world war one and it revolves around two british soldiers that cross enemy lines to deliver an urgent message to call off an attack that would result in a massacre. Colonel Mackenzie is in command of the second. He sent word yesterday morning he was going after the retreating Germans. He is convinced he has them on the run. But if he can break their lines now, he will turn the tide. He is wrong. 
Colonel Mackenzie has not seen these aerials of the enemy's new line. Come around here, gentlemen. Three miles deep, field fortifications, defences, artillery, the like of which we've never seen before. The second are due to attack the line shortly after dawn tomorrow. They have no idea what they're in for. And we can't warn them. As a parting gift, the enemy cut all our telephone lines. Your orders are to get to the second at Kwasi Wood, one mile southeast of the town of Lacoste. Deliver this to Colonel Mackenzie. It is a direct order to call off tomorrow morning's attack. If you don't, it will be a massacre. We will lose two battalions, 1,600 men, your brother among them. You think you can get there in time? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, so I know, Amir, you just saw it today. Before we get into that, can we talk a little bit about Sam Mendes' career? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, um, what, what do you guys, I mean... Or your thoughts on his career so far? Or, like, do you generally like his movies? Do you... So, I don't have a ton of Sam Mendes experience. I saw American Beauty many years ago. I saw both his Bond films, uh, Skyfall and Spectre. But I actually haven't seen Road to Perdition or Jarhead or Revolutionary Road. So, I like Sam Mendes. But I was never blown away with anything I've seen. Uh, I didn't love American Beauty. The Bond films were fine, but not... You know, nothing mind blowing. So my expectations weren't exactly sky high going into this. Yeah, I I liked Skyfall a lot more than, um, well, I think if we're talking about you know Daniel Craig era of uh, James Bond movies, I I still think I like Casino Royale the most. But I would say Skyfall mm-hmm. is right behind there, uh, right behind that movie. I really like Skyfall. I don't like Spectre. Yeah, I would I would agree. Yeah, and I didn't really quite like uh, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, so, that, that that sounds correct. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I have seen Jarhead too. I, I don't really remember that movie, so I, I can't say if I remember if I like it or not. I just, I yeah, maybe that says something if I've seen it and I don't remember it at all. <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a great sign. Yeah. Um, so the thing I did to prep for this week's episode was that I tried to revisit as many Sam Mendes films as possible. Nice. Um, just to like get a picture of his filmography and how uh, 1917 stacks up to it. And I have to admit, I didn't really have a great time doing it. Oh, no. Uh, I started with American Beauty and I worked my way up. And I think the big through line I took away was that his films all have a little bit of trouble conveying emotion and his characters all have an issue where they kind of lack interiority you know um so i know amir you mentioned that you didn't really like american beauty um i was surprised at how awful it was <laughs> um, like re-watching it you mean yeah re-watching it yeah yeah i mean i read a recent review of 1917 referencing american beauty and they called it noxious so i think that's probably <laughs> yeah uh, i think it's mostly pretty... known to be overrated now right um yeah 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 which it won for best picture right it did and yeah. i just like re-watching it i just found the movie to be mostly like artificial mm-hmm. and it's got like this twee hipster idea of quote-unquote beauty that's really grating i think and even Sam Mendes himself says that the movie's overrated. 
right? <laughs> he had he had an interview where he said it was really overrated. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, the the funny thing is, there's a I don't know who wrote this, but it was on Letterboxd. It was someone who reviewed the film and. The review is only one sentence. It's like growing up is realizing that this movie sucks, <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, I like that. I like yeah, that. that's good. So, like, also, like another thing is like I'm typically pretty good at separating art from artists, mm-hmm. but I think it's almost impossible to uh, extricate Kevin Spacey from Lester Burnham in this, right? Yeah, because yeah. like I can rewatch. Baby Driver or The Usual Suspects or Seven, but this just felt like really scummy. Yeah, um, it's too close. Since, yeah, he's pining after like this underage girl in this movie. It's too close. Yeah, exactly. It's too close. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, speaking of Baby Driver, I remember that was one of the kind of narratives around that movie during that time. Right. Didn't take away from how great that movie was, and like I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean. It's probably my favorite. No, uh, no. It's I don't know if it's my favorite Edgar Wright movie, but it's it's pretty up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just like a lot of people talking about like, oh, I mean, it's you know Kevin Spacey's in it because that was the movie I think that dropped right when he was you know yeah when that all scandal those, was all those right. Yeah. yeah right 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 yeah yeah so it was like uh, man this movie's so good but then all the people want to talk about is just the fact that Kevin Spacey's in it. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it, it was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't like that. I didn't like that conversation during that time. I know. Yeah. Um. I mean, so, I'm pretty good with separating art from artists, like I said, but this yeah. was especially hard to do with American Beauty, and it's not that great. I. I just. I just don't really like it. Yeah. So, like, my wife and I also watched Revolutionary Road with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys have you guys seen it? I have not seen it. No. Okay. Um, I found it um, to be like a pretty tiring exercise in marital misery. <laughs> like yeah. if you, especially after having Marriage Story pretty fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. um, this was pretty much just misery porn. I think, <laughs> and I think the performances come across as. Like, just that. Like, performances. It seems like Leo and Kate, they're both in, like, the 5,000th run-through of a stage performance rather than, like, a film performance. I just didn't really buy it. Mm. And I found it to be, like, a really just hashtag acting, if you will. I just didn't really like it that much. But I will say that Road to Perdition is probably the best film that i revisited on my rewatch which is the the mob revenge movie starring tom hanks it's the one where he goes on a revenge mission with his young son after like the rest of his family's killed uh it's the first film of this rewatch where i felt like the characters had any type of interiority you know Mm -hmm. you have jude law as a rat bastard assassin and tom hanks is obviously really good um in this and he's playing against his usual type right and Paul Newman's in this in his last role. I just really love this movie. But nice. I've always yeah, heard good yeah. things about it. I have never seen it, so maybe I, yeah, maybe that's the one good. I'll have to actually you get. Should, you yeah, same here. This is that. Um, but if you're talking about Sam Mendes, yeah. So like, I think 1917 and and Skyfall. I think they're both a little emotionally remote as well. 
but that's more of like a byproduct of the way that the films are. Um, you know, like Skyfall is a Bond film, um, and nineteen seventeen is this you know like single take war movie, right? You guys might not agree, but I thought it was just a little bit emotionally remote, which is very in Sam Mendes's wheelhouse. I think. I don't know. What did you guys think? Uh, I overall still enjoyed the movie. Like I remember when I watched it, like I watched it last week. So I've, I've kind of been able to sit with it for a little bit. Uh-huh. And I remember coming out of the movie, really enjoying it based on the fact that like, I just watched this technical achievement in, in film. Right? right. Right. And it was this spectacular quote unquote one take, right. That I think really kind of puts you in the situation, right? It made you feel like you were part of this journey. Absolutely. But I think you're right. Like after kind of sitting with it and thinking about it, and I think you use the word interiority, and I think that's mm-hmm. exactly it, right? And I, I had a conversation with a friend after the fact about this movie, and uh, we'll get into a little bit more of the spoilers later, but it lacks that interiority, especially for the George McKay character, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see it a little bit more in the Dean Charles Chapman's character, just because his character is so tied to his journey, right? Because, you know, it's his brother that he's trying to save, right? Right. Um, but, I mean, spoilers, um, he doesn't make it to the end, right? So I think mm-hmm. once you kind of get rid of his character, you kind of lose some of that emotional weight. I don't ever think that George McKay really picks that back up um yeah well i'm glad i waited to be last so i can correct (laughs) both of you because uh (laughs) i thought that this was uh, incredibly emotional i really i thought it was a really really affecting film um i thought that remoteness that you're seeing was a really effective way of showing men who are going through the most like intense emotional experience of their lives and still trying to remain stoic, but being unable to because of the gravity and the magnitude of the events going on around them. I thought that, I mean, you know, Mendez and all of the actors and uh, Christy Wilson Carnes, who also co-wrote, I mean, I thought they did amazing work with doing a lot with very little text and tons of subtext underneath almost had me tear up a couple times yeah so i can see where you're coming from amir like i think the film plays to the perceived weakness that sam mendes has conveying emotion and i think it uses it pretty well in the movie i think it's very similar to like the situation with skyfall where bond is this stoic blunt instrument um it's rare for his emotions to show through and i think it's true for this film as well where like you're not really gonna have that much interiority so to speak with these characters who are on this life or death mission right you're not gonna get like the tortured backstories and all that stuff because that's not what characters like this would do but i do feel like it made me feel a little more disconnected but I don't know what the fix for that would be, right? Um, because that's just the type of experience that these people are going through. You know what I mean? Yeah, I felt that not having the, I don't know, biographical specifics, like, didn't even cross my mind to care about that. Um, you know, spoilers, but at the end of the film, 
when uh, George McKay's character is looking at the photo of his wife and kid, it's like, oh, okay, he has a family. But like that doesn't like it, like the specifics of his family members or who he's trying to get back to doesn't really matter because the experience is supposed to be universal, right? Or at least it's conveying themes that we can all relate to, even if we're not, you know, going through war or whatever. Like it's. It's, it's something that we don't need the individual details of his backstory in order to get. Um, right. So I, I, I didn't feel that lack at all. I completely agree that maybe the movie is, is turning a weakness into a strength by um, cloaking a lack of interiority in, you know, a right. device, right. device of stoic characters. But I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't miss those biographical details you're talking about. Um, at all. Right. I mean, I didn't either, but I also feel like these characters are more bodies in motion rather than actual characters. Yeah, I agree with um, you, which is Which is also like a byproduct of the single take yep. conceit that the film is operating under, right? But yeah, so like, I don't know what you could have done to make it resonate with me more, but um, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do this now, but I think moving forward, it'd be a lot easier to talk about this movie if we can fully talk about all details. So I think right. if anyone hasn't really watched this movie, if you don't want to be spoiled, this is the point where you turn away and come back later. Or if you want to be spoiled, go right ahead. Um, but <laughs> I don't agree with you, Amir. I think that it is that moment at the end that really bothers me after I think about it, because I think that's where that, uh, lack of interiority comes from is that I think we find out too late about his family. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. There's so many touching human universal moments in the movie. Like just from the very beginning of those two guys just being friends in the trenches and joshing each other about the the stale bread. And then like even from that moment on to the, the cherry orchard story and like the rat chewing the ear story. And I don't know. I don't think I needed those details to connect at all with these people. I think you already know so much about these guys just from just a couple lines of dialogue like from the beginning you know uh george mckay's character they don't tell you directly that he throws away his medal but it's kind of clear from the beginning that something's up with this guy that he's not totally on board with everything that's going on he's a bit cynical he's a bit burned out he's seen things that his buddy has not and they've changed him um and and they don't you know have to spell it out for you at the beginning for you to get that idea and so they do spell it out at the end but it's very clear i think from even the very beginning how different these two men are i mean i can see how you say they're kind of ciphers but i still feel like there's such a deep differentiation between the two men that it's unfair to say they like interiority i think well but then there's the point where dean charles chapman's character dies and what was a two-man movie now becomes basically a one-man movie right that the whole weight of the movie now falls on george mckay's character and i think it's those little moments that i think sam mendes is trying to set up right the, the mention about him throwing the metal away this tin that he keeps pulling out of his pocket but we don't actually know what's inside it's like hinting to this this backstory that we want to know about but he doesn't give us to the end and I think it would have been very, for me, like I was talking to my friend about this. I think the perfect moment for me would have been when he meets that French woman and his child, right? To be like so easily, but like, oh, this is my child, right? To have this right, connection right. with that woman and then give us right. that connection right. to him and to know his right. backstory a little bit more, to know what's at stake for him too, right? But not just sacrificing his life, 
sacrifice, potentially sacrificing, you know, uh, his his daughters having a father if he were to complete this mission, right? Yeah, that's true. That I've, I think that adds something. And there's the perfect moment there where the, the French lady does even ask him, hey, do you have kids? You know, and he doesn't really answer. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, that even that's also not thought was so affecting. I thought it was so great because I, I thought it, I thought it was so universal for these two people from different countries don't really speak each other's languages to band together to try and take care of this child as much as they can in the couple of minutes that they're together they they have this unity of purpose and it draws us in like i don't think you need to have kids yourself or need to know that the character has kids to identify with mckay's character in that scenario so like for the thing with the french woman i think that scene is absolutely 100% necessary for the film. I kind of found it to be a little maudlin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I can see how it could it could definitely uh, toe that line or stray over the line yeah. uh, for some people, for sure. I thought it worked. I thought it was a nice, you know, look at, uh, you know, direct look at the cost of war on civilians and on women, of whom there are not many in this film. Um, you know, and yeah. on children again, of whom there are not many in this film, you know. Um, so I thought, I thought it was, uh, I don't know, it totally worked for me, but yeah, yeah. I, I get how you could just be like, oh, come on, all right, yeah. I know for this episode, it's gonna sound like I didn't like the movie, but I just want to let everyone know that it's not the case. I actually really enjoyed the film, and same here, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm sounding a little bit negative, but I actually love the movie, yeah. And I also want to say that. I would not be upset in the slightest if this won Best Picture, especially over a particular clown movie that I don't even want to name right now. Okay, look, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's get into this a little bit. Okay, so I think, I mean, hands down, there's no way Roger Deakins is not going to win for cinematography, right? Like, Yeah, I think Roger Deakins does tremendous work here. Now, for, uh, for I, I have seen a little bit of debate that do you think he should win for best director? Sam Mendes? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like the single take is very impressive and he's yes. the orchestra conductor who's putting it all together and it's very very impressive. So, and I feel like this is right up the Academy voters alley. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like right in what they'd expect for a best director to be so i feel like i could see a best director win i i feel like 1917 is kind of like the dark horse that's getting a lot of traction right now um i would say that's parasite but okay (laughs) well yeah i i feel like the tide is turning to 1917 to be like even more of the front runner Mm -hmm. um for director or just like everything or what maybe maybe everything because i don't know um Thomas Newman's score is amazing in this. Sound mixing, the production design, it's all really good. But mm-hmm. like I think Deacons definitely deserves another win. It's yes. insane to think that a DOP He only just won. Yeah, yeah. as talented as Deacons didn't win yeah. an Academy Award until 2017's Blade Runner 2049, right? Yeah. If you look at his filmography, like Shawshank, Fargo, No Country. The assassination of Jesse James, Skyfall, Sicario. It's insane, like the number of gorgeous films that he has under his belt. Absolutely. Um, and like with 1917, I can also appreciate that he stepped outside his wheelhouse a little, right? I think his specialty's always been in like his meticulous 
compositions rather than, you know, like elaborate long takes. I think it worked really well. So I know, Derek, you said that you felt really immersed in the movie, Mm -hmm. but I didn't really feel the immersion. I think like long takes are very cool, but I think the one instance where it never really works fully, which is what 1917 is trying to do, is sell immersion, I think. Hmm. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't if know you, if I would agree with that. Like, if you think about famous one-take oneers in film history, they all have different purposes that are executed pretty well. Like, you know, like the Copa shot in Goodfellas mm-hmm. is about Karen's perspective as she enters the mafia underworld or the car shootout in Children of Men. It's like selling the right. intensity. You have like the elevator scene in John Woo's Hard Boiled the hallway fight in Daredevil, the hammer scene in Old Boy, those are all about like exhaustion. But when you're talking about immersion or actually being in the world of the film you're watching, for me personally, the longer it is, the harder it is for me to buy, right? I, I know. I, yeah, I think there's the difference between, this is another question I wanted to ask you guys later, but I think it goes back for me, like should this movie have been a one take? But at the same time, to answer your question or to, to maybe juxtapose what you're saying, I do think there is an immersion factor just because I, I think about the scene where we're in the tunnels and like the explosion goes off. Right. And it doesn't cut like you're there, you're in the dust. You you hear the sound, right. like there's a scene where he's like getting the milk and then you don't see what's going on, you know, off to the side. But then as the camera turns, like it's like your head turning and you see that, you yeah. know, Dean Charles Chapman's character has been stabbed. Like, I think there is this kind of, for me, immersion into this movie. Yeah, I know this is going to be the case for everyone because for me, I'm like a movie and film person. So my brain automatically goes to look for the hidden cuts or to take in like all the moving parts, right? It becomes more about the craft than the moment or the story. And that has its own fun, I think. Oh, yeah, Um, absolutely. But that kind of takes me out of what it's trying to accomplish in the first place. What would you want to say, Amir? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it almost backfires, right? Because it's drawing your attention to the artifice of it. Right. But, exactly. Um, for me, I started out that way. And then I just got so drawn in that I completely forgot about checking. I completely got so drawn in. I mean, about the time where uh, Dean Charles Chapman's character dies, I was like, okay, I'm all in on this movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the, at the beginning where they're in the no man's land and, you know, the tension doesn't quite work for me there. It's not as tense, I think, as it's supposed to be. It's very tense, but it's not quite as tense. But once we get that tripwire scene, things kept up a notch. Can we can we talk about that tripwire scene? Sure. Because that thing is crazy. Unbelievable. I was blown away by... Literally? Uh, no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. uh, Pun intended, yeah. Uh, the way they built that up, like with the rats. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was awesome. So to give a little context, they're in the the abandoned German uh, trenches, yeah. the bunker, right? They're examining like the bunk beds in their barracks or whatever. And then it's when they realize that the Germans have booby-trapped their own barracks after they abandoned them. The rats that have been all around in the scene, one just suddenly like hits a tripwire and it triggers like a cave-in. I literally thought that uh, George McKay's character was dead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When uh when Blake goes to uncover him and he's like all covered in the in the debris, I'm like, yo, he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Cause like at this point, like 
they're just two white dudes, right? Like, I don't remember who's in the poster and who's in the trailer. Uh, uh, okay, I'll talk about I, that. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh, shit, they killed, they killed him. But that's obviously not the case. But that was really, really intense, I think. Yeah, it was awesome. I, and I felt the same way. I was like, oh, wow, did they actually kill him off? I mean, I thought at first that uh, Dean Charles Chapman's character was the main character. And the I, only did thing, I did too. I did too. I think the only thing that should have tipped us off that he wasn't was you were seeing things from his perspective. There were shots where Dean Charles Chapman's not in the shot and you're just totally following George McKay. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because you follow him to the milk, right? Right. Yeah. Well, not, even before that, um, like when they're going into the abandoned trenches and uh, Dean Charles Chapman's already turned the corner, you're actually with uh, George McKay. McKay. Yeah. And, and it happens a couple of different times. Yeah, yeah. And I noticed it, but I didn't realize what I was noticing until they actually took Gene Charles Chapman off the board. And I was like, oh, what I was seeing was uh, that this guy actually wasn't the main character. Got it. Right. So, so it's, it's actually really nice. All right. I want to get into the trailer a little bit then. And I'm like, uh, I hate trailers. I had a whole other podcast about trailers, but I, I actually hate trailers sometimes. <laughs> because I I remember trailers very well. So I knew he wasn't dead because there were scenes in the trailers that I knew were going to happen after this moment. Right. I, still okay. know, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. And I remember watching the trailer and... It didn't click to me at first, but then after watching the movie, I was like, oh, my God, it, if someone caught onto this, it would have been kind of a spoiler. But there's points in the trailer where you stop seeing Dean Charles. Dean yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it in the trailer. I thought maybe, oh, there was just a moment where they were separated. But there's actually a lot of moments in the trailer where you no longer seen Dean Charles Chapman's character. And that could have been a, like a big tip off that he actually dies in the movie. I didn't realize it when I watched the trailers. So I'm happy I didn't. But that plays to that big surprise when he does die, right, in the movie. And I kind of want to talk about that scene a little bit because I don't know about you guys. That's probably one of my favorite scenes. It's like it's either that or the the last part where he does the run. I, I go back and forth between those two being kind of my favorite moments. But I really love the scene where Dean Charles Chapman's character gets stabbed. And, you know, George McKay's character has to, like, sit there and basically, like, try to comfort him. And he knows he's going to die and, and be in that moment with him. And I love that. Pretty sure he does it digitally, right? Where he like becomes super pale in that moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah. thought that was really effective because I was thinking the same thing as you guys. I'm like, dude, this is the main character. Like, it's his brother that he needs to go save. And I was like, is yeah. he really gonna kill him right now? And then when he just keeps getting paler and paler and whiter and whiter, I'm just like, oh shit, he's really gonna die. And yeah, yeah. I thought that, that for me that was a very effective scene. Oh, yeah. Super effective. The acting was tremendous. Dean Charles Chapman really, I think he knocked it out of the park with that scene. You just totally buy that this is a, a very young man, almost a child, who is now conf now confronted with death. I mean, yeah, his young looks definitely help, too. Right? Yeah. Like, just he his was face. really great in that scene and, and in the whole movie, and really. Um, he's excellent. No, he's so good. Um, yeah. Yeah, they were, they were both excellent, I thought. Have you guys seen the movie The Grey? With uh, Liam Neeson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of a scene in that movie where he has to, like, Liam Neeson's, I think it was, like, right after the plane crash, and he has to, like, sit with somebody, and basically he tells him, like, you're going to die, but, like, I'm going to be here with you in this moment. 
it actually really reminded me of that moment. Both movies have this very beautiful moment where like someone just yeah, I chooses, remember, I think yeah chooses to like just be with the person and like be with them until they die, which is really beautiful. I think people tend to forget like the human moments of the gray because everyone thinks of it as the Liam Neeson fighting yeah. wolves. <laughs> yeah, so much better. Than it. It's yeah. so good. I yeah. really love that movie. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay, so back to my other question then. Did you guys think this needed to be a one-shot movie? Listen, nothing ever needs okay, to yeah. be <laughs> anything. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, fine. The question is that did it really add anything to the movie then, right? I'm torn because I had a lot of fun like tracking all the moving parts, like looking for the cuts, you know? But it didn't like I said, it didn't really do anything for me in terms of immersion and i also thought the smash cut in the middle where he gets shot is a little weird like yeah. why wouldn't you commit to the single take conceit of the film i mean i know it's to show like the passage of time and that he's knocked unconscious but i mean you could have done that with a time lapse too right but i don't know yeah see that yeah. was that was another thing in the trailers i was like there's moments in the day and there's moments at night how is this supposed to work if i'm supposed to be with these guys for this two hour span, right? If you think right, 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 the right, one right. shot, if it's if it's in real time, you're only supposed to be watching these guys for two hours. How is this possible that I'm I'm seeing both day and night? Yeah, it's like it's like 24. When does Jack Bauer <laughs> go to the bathroom? Yeah. You know? Like yeah, what does he, he shit and eat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Doing it all between commercial breaks, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Um <laughs> for me, I think the yeah, I mean, I agree with Jeff on a technical level. Like, it didn't uh-huh. need to be. But for me, it worked. A, I think it it, it worked immersion-wise. And I liked the final product so much, I'm wary of saying, oh, yeah, they should have done it a different way. Right. It worked. So you know what? I'm not going to second-guess uh, Mendez or Deacons or anyone else involved because it worked. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So for me, yeah. They, for me, they sold it, and I'm not, I'm not going to um, – look a gift horse in the mouth yeah i think they delivered a tremendous final product for me it's kind of needed because if if i think about it without it i don't know if i would enjoy this movie as much it's a package that comes together yeah i think so uh yeah if you if you were to take away the one shot aspect of it i just don't know if it would be this really compelling story that i'd I'd still want to watch right i think i think it's a disservice for people to say that it's a gimmick um yeah i think you're really diminishing the the work and the craft that went oh, yeah. into this. Um, so I don't, I don't agree that when people call it a gimmick at all, um, yeah. it's incredibly impressive. I think, yeah. um, I think, I think the joke is that they have Benedict Cumberbatch waiting for two hours in a hole, just waiting for <laughs> yeah. him to show up every time they shoot. Yeah, and then they'll like radio ends like, uh. He made it like an hour and a half, and then he fucked up. So we have to start over. <laughs> yeah, like what if this movie was shot in like an actual like one shot, right? You're paying Benedict Cumberbatch millions and millions of dollars just to sit in that hole, you know? Yeah, which is pretty sort of funny. funny. Yeah. Um, so apparently, Andrew Scott, who's the officer in the beginning, right before him, they, like, the, yeah, the right flare before, guns, yeah, yeah, right before the he's over. the one who fucked up the most which oh really kind of funny it was like <laughs> one of the antidotes on set where he's the one who kept messing up their oh their god single takes um also one thing that i thought was gonna come up but didn't was like when 
when Schofield, uh, George McKay's character, he grabs the barbed wire in the very beginning of the oh, movie. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. And then he sinks his fist into that dead guy. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh. yeah, you're definitely going to get infection. You're the one who's going to die. You're going to die before you get yeah, to there yeah. because you're just going to be, you're just going to have a fever and you're just going to not be able to move. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 100% um, that's a, that's a Chekhov's gun that went unfired but yeah I think everybody was like oh my god no yeah, <laughs> my, yeah so it is hard my, very cringeworthy my, my audience was just like, uh. oh. <laughs> like yeah, it's very yeah. very real very visceral yeah I mean man yeah I wanted, I wanted to ask you guys what did you guys think of the cameos I, for me they... sorry for me they were a little too distracting just because i think these are all big british actors that kind of took me out of the movies at times especially i think the one that for me that took me out the most was benedict cumberbatch's character uh just because he was a little over the top for me it didn't uh, it didn't bother me that much yeah. i don't think um, yeah but i can see where you're coming from yeah yeah, I'm with Derek on this one, too. I was like, oh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, it's very... He's just too him for you to look at him and buy him playing someone else, right? Like, it's just... It's, it's too him. Um, Richard Madden, though, didn't take me out of it at all. That was a good casting, because he looks like Charles Dean Chapman, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he, was, and he was tremendous. Yeah, he was very good. He was very good. He was so good with just the couple minutes you see him. He's excellent i mean the dawning just shock and horror and grief on his face when he realizes his brother's dead yeah um and schofield doesn't say anything and just and then he almost cracks up and he brings it back together and then schofield asks if he can write his mother a letter and it's just excellent just the quiver in his the quiver in his lip and the quaver in his voice it's really 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 good you just absolutely ten thousand percent buy that this is a man who just heard that his brother just died and i mean he goes from just elated that oh my god i get to see my brother where is he to oh no my brother's dead to breaking down to trying to hold it in to just breaking down at the kindness of the of this friend to it's just and it's all in just a couple facial movements, a couple lines of dialogue. It's excellent. Yeah, so good. it's like a roller coaster of range for him to portray. Mm-hmm. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. it's so good for me. There's five or six moments in the in the film that are as good as that that I just love. I loved uh, Dean Charles Chapman's uh, character's uh, Cherry Blossom story. It, it, it struck me as like one of those weird things that, like, I don't know. An RPG characters like, oh yeah, my mom grew up on a on a cherry tree farm. I know cherry trees or whatever. <laughs> like it just seemed like just such a neat piece of little like backstory and fluff to throw in there that I thought humanized him so much. Yeah, I just I really liked that. I liked that he died because he was too nice a guy. Yeah. Right? Like that like this German in the biplane crashes the plane. And they pull him out of the burning wreckage, and Schofield's like, let's shoot him, let's yeah, kill him, put him out of his misery. Yeah. And uh, Blake, Dean Charles Chapman's character, is like, no, go get him some water. And the German stabs him. And that's just such a revealing character moment. Mm-hmm. Th- those two guys, Schofield and Blake, couldn't be more different. 
uh, even though they're both young, you know, kind, just, decent uh, human beings. They're they're just totally different men. Yeah, just uh, just on the record, I'm a Schofield 100. percent By the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's war, son. What are you gonna do? <laughs> In that moment, I was like, dude. Do not go get that war. Just kill that. <laughs> yeah. Guy. Like, see, I, I feel like I, I feel like I would have gotten blaked because I probably would have been yeah. like, uh, yeah, get this guy some water. He's dying. Like, especially knowing the history of it and knowing that you know in World War One and World War Two there were just impromptu cessations of the fighting for Christmas and people really treating each other in in the in the most difficult of conditions like human beings um in a war in which uh you know the utter inhumanity of, of man to man is made manifest there were also these rare moments of humanity and so i thought we were seeing one of those and then uh blake gets a knife to the gut for it so yeah. but yeah i mean i don't know i mean interiority like uh, i mean like you know so much about this guy just because his his love of food and his cherry trees he's clearly kind hearted he clearly like idolizes his older brother bit of a nerd not maybe not a nerd but he's a he's, he's not an, a super assertive guy as he's running through the trenches he's getting pushed around by other people he hasn't seen as much war as his buddy so he's still a little gung-ho about oh yeah you know uh, the metal means something he still has that idealism like you know so much about this guy yeah. i don't know for me i feel like i, I know this guy i think uh, what i really appreciated about the movie also was kind of some of the the mirroring that sam mendes does in the movie like, I think if you notice, like, the very first shot of the movie is Dean Charles Chapman's character, I think, leaning up against the tree, right? Like, Schofield's character is laying down, but I think Blake is, like, uh, up against a tree. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, right at the yeah, end, yeah. you know, Schofield's the one who's who's basically leaning up against a tree looking at that picture. Um, at the beginning of the movie, you know, we talked about it earlier, you know, their hesitation to slowly go over the hill. But at the end you see Schofield's character. He's like, I have to do this. And he just rushes over the, over the line and, and, you know, makes that huge run. Like just, I really love that mirroring that, that Sam Mendes does for the movie. Yeah. I think yeah, yeah. to clarify a little bit, like I understand like where you're coming from Amir, where these are like fully fleshed out characters. And I totally see that, but I just feel like I didn't feel the emotional urgency to the mission and not just like the characters, you know. Oh man, I I did when he's, I mean, I don't know, I, like when I when didn't Schofield feel the urgency was, until he was starting to run down the line. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh man, no. When he's pushing that fucking truck and yelling at the other guys to get out and push, they were just gonna sit there and smoke cigarettes and wait for like they they don't give a shit, right? Like they're just it's just like, oh great they're truck fucking broke down again there's a tree in the way there's mud there's whatever but they're not in a particular rush to get to this village but he's got hours on his clock and so he's like getting out and pushing and at first not all the guys push with him and then they all get out and kind of heave ho and like it's just i don't know like i totally got when dean charles chapman's character dies in his arms and he's like i know where the village is don't worry i'm gonna do it like i i don't know i felt that i was like yeah like for me, I totally felt the weight of that burden of of the mission. I, the whole I think time. I see where Jeff's coming from, only because I think there is that that cut in the middle where we've lost our kind of sense of time. Because I remember in the beginning of the movie, we really they, do lose our sense of time a little. Because also, when he's running through the town, 
um, it's already like dusk, right? Yeah. And they're supposed to attack at dawn. But I feel like when he's running down the line, it's already like 10 a.m. or something, right? So I yeah. was a little confused as to like, aren't you a little too late? Yeah, and that's um, I think that's where the urgency I, comes from, right? It's like he's running with them, like they've started their attack. Like, yeah, it's a little I mean, yeah, too he, late. So now he literally is too late. Yeah. yeah, he literally is a little too late. You're yeah, dead on. Late. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, talking about the smash cut and the losing time, I loved that because for me, that's a big oh shit moment. You're seeing the flares coming in through the window as he wakes up, and you're going, "Oh shit, is that daylight?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it already over? So for me, that was a complete, like, I don't know. I loved that. I was like, oh, shit. And then how gorgeous is that whole, gorgeous and horrifying is that whole running through the town with the flares mm-hmm. and the artillery going and, the and getting shot up by the Germans yeah. and the fire in front of the cross. I mean, it's all, I mean, war is hell. You couldn't hit the, hit the nail more on the head with that metaphor. But, yeah, I Rod- mean, it's gorgeous. It's fucking gorgeous. Roger Deakins loves his black and orange. Um Skyfall, but like I'll <laughs> I'll watch that over and over. It's always breathtaking. Yeah, right. Um, it was unre- it was unreal. Whether it's like yeah, Ryan Gosling and Blade Runner in the in the polluted wasteland. Mm. Whether it's here yeah. in the town, it's always really striking to me. Um, yeah, and like the whiteness of the flares lighting up the night. Giving you that alienating thing, going back from that brightness of day in the middle of night back to day, and like the earrings, the color contrasted with the natural blue lighting of the actual dawn coming. It's just, it's yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, I also want to make a comparison though. Like, if you're talking about emotional weight of the story, like if you think about like something like Saving Private Ryan, I thought that held more weight for me than this did. I don't know if you agree with that or not. It's more of like a personal story. I I do understand that you have the attempt to save Blake's brother, but I don't think it's the same where the entire mission is trying to save like one man, you know? Yeah. And it's like all of his brothers have already died in the war and they're trying to save him for the sake of the family, you know? I, I just thought that more wholesale in Saving Private Ryan. I don't know. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I can kind of agree with that. Just because it always does seem more personal when it's just one person. But this movie, I think, tries to do that by giving you an objective, right? Where it's really his brother that he wants to save, right? I mean, yes, he wants to save 1,600 men. But it's very personal for for Chapman's character. And then it becomes personal for Schofield's character, right? That he's made this promise to to Blake's character and you know I do love the scene at the end when he's like trying to look for his brother and he finally does find him yeah 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 it's a great scene oh uh, yeah I mean I think I mean Prince Saving Private Ryan so long ago it's so hard for me to make that comparison but I mean I get I definitely get what you're saying I get where you're going with that um yeah but I don't know I, I bought a hook line and sinker they got me with this one oh, yeah. yeah yeah that's yeah. that's totally yeah. fair you, you know what else I wanted to see a little bit more of? Um, just the horrors of World War One, right? Because World War One's definitely the more underrepresented mm-hmm. of the World War oh, yeah. when it comes to the land of uh, cinema. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And I feel like World War One was like infinitely more horrific. You have like the advent of chemical warfare, 
um, rapid fire machine guns, aerial. I mean, you get a little bit of that in here, but it's just like the novelty of wholesale destruction. I think I kind of wish we saw a little more of that. I mean, that's just a little nitpick, but as a war, it's so different from World War II, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Oh, I do want to talk about that run at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about the run. Just because I yeah. think that is, like I said, it's one of my favorite um, scenes in the movie. Just because, like Jeff said, to put it in perspective, like th- that's when I felt the most, I think, emotion from Yeah, the- I felt character. it the most. Yeah. Especially because it's so yeah. grand. It pulls away and you get to see, you know, what he's dealing with. And like to find out later, like, do you remember the point where he like he runs into like two people? Amir, um, what and they and they, and they don't let him buy. You mean when he's already oh, no, like you know when, when he, already he getting... jumps over the trench and like, oh yeah 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 and absolutely he, yeah and he yeah, he bounces yeah. off of them and he gets up he keeps yeah. going yeah it's awesome so those, it's, those no, are actually, it's great um, by accident those weren't planned really yeah and then he had to keep going and he does it twice that's awesome and both of them were yeah. not planned so now knowing that like it just puts into stake like the work that these actors have put into this character into this movie and that's where i felt it the most was definitely that run yeah and he's like oh where's colonel mckenzie and everyone's mm-hmm. like i don't know or like oh he's way down the line and like yeah he, he just keeps running and then the, the shell bombardment like the explosions of the dirt it's pretty breathtaking I mean, I mean i mean that's that's where the one take worked for me i almost felt yeah, like the yeah, dirt, yeah, yeah. dirt was getting in my mouth in my eye <laughs> yeah like i was right there with it with that scene my only point of disagreement there and i love that scene that's not the scene i felt the most for me any scene in this movie where you have a guy trying to restrain great emotion is a scene that i that, that actually like so like schofield talking about his family back at home um and uh like not being able to like finish the sentence or richard madden's character or um even some of the completely silent quiet scenes with mckay coming out of that river at the end uh in the woods i don't know those all really worked for me yeah i mean as much as i love that end climactic scene for me it was all the, all those little things all those little scenes of of, of guys breaking down in the face of great emotion that worked for me as much yeah. as i i love the the music they use in the trailer like they use that song right the guy's singing mckay's character comes out of the the water and he's just watching that guy sing to all those troops like i, I love the use of the song in the trailer but that scene yeah. actually didn't work for me only be- oh, really just because there's this i always felt that there's this urgency to the movie Especially now that he's kind of like, I got to get out of here, right? He, he told that French woman, I got to get out of here. Dusk is coming. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, yo, interrupt that song. Just Inter- get to yeah, it. <laughs> but then it's like, let's slow. I mean, I guess, yes, he's very tired. He just had to run and he's like flowed down this river. He's probably exhausted. But there's this like, oh, let me wait for this song to end. And then I'll transition. <laughs> for me, it took me. It was like, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for for me, it sold the exhaustion and despair. I think he thinks, like, seeing how bright it is out, he thinks it's already over. It's too so late. He doesn't, yeah, yeah. Remember, he, does, he doesn't even ask them what unit they are. They tell him. And then he's like, I'm looking for you guys or whatever. And they're like, where is this unit? And he's like, oh, whoa. 
I can actually still do it. And that's when he pops up back again with that energy. But he was just completely broken and defeated at that point. Yeah. You know? Um, and I totally thought like his like lack of interrupting there was indicative of that. Okay. Um, so I bought, I bought, right. but yeah, I totally get what you mean. And I totally definitely was like, yeah. yo, like yell at these guys, interrupt them. Like, yeah. This song's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a banger, bro. Just <laughs> get in there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you continue your acceptance speech, but no. <laughs> yeah. He had to pull a Kanye in that moment, man. Exactly. I was definitely waiting for the Kanye. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish, but this attack is one of the worst of all time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do actually. I do love that line that um, Benedict Cumberbatch has, where he's like, "This is just another order, right? Tomorrow they're gonna tell me to attack again." Like it really put the the war into a different perspective for me. Where like right. like this whole time you felt like this is this huge journey we have to do right it's like this is going to be some kind of turning point in the war but then Benedict Cumberbatch is like no not really this is this is one order and thank you for giving it but I'm gonna get a different order tomorrow right because we know the war continues this is not the end of the war and I really felt those those words in the movie all right well it seems like Amir you uh, liked it maybe a little bit more than. Uh, me and Jeff, but oh, I think yeah. I think me and Jeff still. I, I I hope it comes across that we still do like this movie. Like I really enjoyed yeah, my I, time. I really did like it. Yeah, I really did. Yeah, like I really enjoyed my time. And like Jeff, uh, if it beats a certain movie <laughs> at the Oscars, <laughs> I wouldn't be upset. But I am definitely rooting for Parasite. Uh, <laughs> if you're gonna ask me which one I I would want to win Best Picture, um, I, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Um, so, Jeff, where can yeah. people find you? People can find me at my blog, strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at strangeharbors. Uh, Amir, uh, I think uh, people can find you on this podcast, right? And uh, Yeah. Also, uh, you can check out my letterbox. Right. Uh, there's only a couple movies on there now. But um, I'll write a glowing review of 1917 <laughs> uh, just to make sure the record is correct on this excellent movie. <laughs> Okay. And uh, you can follow me at the wrong day, Dag spelled D-A-Y-I-K. Uh, that's for Instagram and Twitter. And also, yeah, like follow all of our uh, letterboxes. Uh, I believe it's Strange Harbors for Jeff and uh, the wrong day for me. Um, I'm constantly trying to add more movies as we go along too, uh, to kind of keep a record of all the things we've been seeing in the past and also a record of what we kind of moving on. If you uh, like the show, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, we want to get our podcasts out to as many people as possible. And one of the best ways, a free way that you can support us, uh, support this podcast, is to give us a great rating on iTunes. So if you guys can head over there um, and, and give us five stars, that would really, really help us. Uh, Jeff, do you want to let people know where they can um, uh, email us? Yeah, if anyone has any comments, questions, suggestions, you can email us at info at strangeharbors.com. Um, so that will conclude this week's episode. Um, next week, we will be doing something a little more, what would you call it? A little double feature here. Yep. We'll be going into the filmography of Martin Scorsese, and we will be talking about The Departed and also the Hong Kong film that it's based on, Infernal Affairs. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this double feature. Yeah, yeah I'm psyched. I'm psyched. Yeah. yeah, see you guys next week. Yeah, see you next week, everybody. See you, everyone. <laughs>